Hey everybody, I'm Eugene Driscoll. Welcome to Valley Naval Gazing on WNHH 103.5 LPFM. That streams live on valleyindy.org and newhavenindependent.org. You can also get this podcast on iTunes, Libsyn, YouTube, and the aforementioned valleyindy.org. This is a quick episode. It's the start of the new year, so why not talk about horror movies? In Seymour on January 13th, on Friday, January 13th, that's Friday the 13th, Connecticut Cult Classics will be screening a double feature for 10 bucks. They're playing Friday the 13th Part 2 and Friday the 13th Part 3. This episode is an interview with Larry Dwyer. He's a Derby resident who started Connecticut Cult Classics. This is his fifth screening. These do well. They have an audience in Connecticut. So we talk to, or I talk to Larry, about the movies, about uh, 3D in the early 80s, and uh, stuff like that. He's got another one coming up in March. If you want more, or do you want to learn more about the Connecticut Cult Classics and their screenings at uh, the Strand Theater, which, by the way, is 165 Main Street in Seymour, go to www.connecticutcultclassics.com or check them out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Classics. Okay, here's Larry. Hello? Hey, this is Larry from uh, Connecticut Cult Classics. Hey, Larry, it's Eugene. Thanks a lot for joining me. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me, Eugene. Yeah, no, and your and your audio's sounding good, so let's just get right into it. So you're hosting, you're hosting another Connecticut Cult Classic screening. Tell us this about is, it. Uh, yeah, this- this will be the fifth one that we've done, uh, and we're doing it on Friday, January 13th at the Strand Theater in Seymour. And then uh, the movies that will be screening this time are? Friday the 13th, Part 2, and Friday the 13th, Part 3, shown in glorious 80s 3D. On a June night in 1980, Friday the 13th, 12 of her friends were murdered. Why should Friday the 13th, 1981, be any different? Friday the 13th, part two. Yeah, I was thinking back, you know, Friday the 13th, part three, I remember distinctly when that movie came out, and it was during this whole weird resurgence of bad, bad 3D, Jaws 3D, with Dennis Quaid yep. and, and Louis Gossett Jr. being the other one that came out around the same time. Uh, what's, so you're going to have the 3D glasses out for that, and, and, I, and I guess plenty of beer or no? <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, John and the, the Knights of Columbus don't uh, have beer at the Strand, which is odd because I'm sure they drink a lot of beer at the Knights of Columbus. But, uh, yeah, they don't, they don't serve alcohol there, which is... Uh, which is peculiar, but there there is a, a, a bar nearby and a, a parking lot. Yeah, people can do whatever they want, frankly, before they enter the theater. Um, or you can but, just yeah, you can actually first, just you can just if you if you're looking to catch a buzz, just watching Friday the Thirteenth Part Three will provide it all that's needed. I'm sure. <laughs> I am fully giving people the disclaimer, especially if they've never seen that kind of 3D, that you probably will leave with a headache. Uh, your eyes will probably hurt, and you may even get a little nauseous. 
And so um, obviously it's going to be, it, you know, it is, it, it's Friday the 13th, January, Friday the 13th, when these things will be happening. But why particularly, of, of, of all, I think there's been 102 Friday the 13th entries. What yep. made you zero in and choose part two and part three? Great question. Um, for our last uh, double feature, we did an, uh, what I call an 80s slash anniversary, where we were celebrating um, anniversary of two slasher films. Uh, one of them, I knew I was going to do the burning, uh, cause that's just always been a favorite. And the second one, I couldn't decide between Friday the 13th part two and, uh, April fool's day. Hmm. So I put it to a, I put it to a vote on the website and April fool's day won by a very slim margin, but Friday the 13th part two got such a great amount of votes that I just said to myself, I have to show it. People want to see it. Um, it's my favorite. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like part one, and I think everybody likes part one. But if you're doing Friday the 13th, you, you got to celebrate Jason. That, that's that's how I feel. And my favorites uh, with Jason are, are two and three. So I figured let's get two, which everybody voted now, for. No, hold on. Hold on, Larry. Wait, yeah. come on now, Larry. Yeah. Hold on. I got to interrupt. What? Where, where's the love for part four, the final chapter? Not only do you have Corey Feldman, you got Crispin Glover yeah. in there. Come on. Where's the love for part four? Listen, Crispin Glover in what may be the best dance scene ever captured on film. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> other than that dance scene... Um, Actually, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four is where I was, where I wish they would have stopped. I, I think Part Four was a was a fine ending, even though Corey Feldman was not a fine uh, actor to give Jason his send off. But I, I think they should have stopped in Part Four, and I got love for Part Four, but it's a double feature. I got to pick two, so I'm going two and three. And uh, what's interesting, uh, I, I mean, horror fans obviously know this, but uh, maybe to our non horror. Uh, Valley Indie Naval Gazing listeners, which is probably 99% of the, of the audience right now. Uh, part three, I mean, Jason Voorhees is, you know, like one of the modern, he, he's the wolf man to any, to like the, the post baby boomer generation, I guess. Uh, sure. Maybe even the, sure. the baby, you know, he's, he's like a universal monster. Uh, he's like yep. that. He's to modern audiences what, what those characters were to people growing up in the 30s and 40s but he didn't get his iconic mask until part three right do people even remember that at this point it, it, it's it, they took him three movies to settle in on that look i think it depends on the age of the person you're talking to i think if you talk to a younger person they're going to think that jason was running around with that hockey mask killing people in part one not even realizing that he was just a little boy in the lake um and then part two you know, they did the whole town that dreaded sundown look, and it wasn't until um, part three that uh, that Jason killed one of the most annoying characters in the history of uh, of horror victims, a guy by the name of Shelley, and was able to take from him the iconic hockey mask that uh, that we love today. So yeah, it wasn't until the third film that uh, that we got to see what is now probably the most widely recognized symbol of horror in the world i would say you know i was i was going back and i was looking at the wikipedia of course because that's where i get all my information for everything at valleyindy.org wikipedia <laughs> uh and and i sure. think i think it was a, a friday the 13th part three when it came out it made it came out in 82 1982 and it made yep. more money a lot more money than john carpenter's the thing 
what how do you react to that yeah. looking back what was going on in 1982 that more people paid money to see uh you know a, a, a kind of cheesy 3d movie instead of what right. is now regarded as a classic well you just hit the nail on the head with saying now regarded the thing was a critical critical failure uh when it came out it was it was a flop it was considered silly um, by the by the media, and I think it was in and out of the theaters pretty quickly, which is astounding because it is just inches behind Halloween to me as John Carpenter's best movie um, and is now widely known as one of the, the best horror-slash-sci-fi films ever. Um, but when it hit the theater, people, people did not like it. People did not care. Plus, you got to remember Friday the 13th was already kind of a household name at that time. Uh, one and two were so successful that people were geared up to see part three. And then getting a bit geeky here, I've always admired, I mean, I remember seeing Friday the 13th part two as a kid. I mean, maybe I was 10. I remember it was, you know, the Friday the 13th movies were staples in early yeah. uh, VCR use. You know, they'd be on TV, they'd be on whatever uh, uh, cable. And Amy Steele, I always thought, is underappreciated as uh, yeah, as a character, uh, her character in that movie. She really kicks butt. Uh, she's not yep. sort of uh, cowering in the in the corner. Uh, what are what, what's your impression of her performance in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two? I thought Amy Steele as Ginny was fantastic, um, and you're right. You know, she she put on she was. I think didn't she? I think she urinated while she was hiding at one point, or was that uh, that could have been Part One? I mean, maybe I'm getting those confused, but I mean, she was a. Uh, maybe you're thrown in your personal life there. I don't know what's going on there, Larry. That's, that's, <laughs> that's possible. I might have urinated just now. I have no idea. Let's just gloss but, over that. Uh, she, <laughs> she was, uh, you know, she threw on Jason's mother's uh, dirty old bloody sweater, pretended to be Jason's mom, stuck the machete in, in, into his shoulder, uh, you know, waited with the pitchfork when she thought he was going to run through the door. She was. Uh, you know, in a time where where most women in in horror were just victimy, uh, she was she was kind of a badass. She was a, she was a tough chick. And um, and you know, little side note, they originally wanted to bring her back in part three, um, and wanted to do almost uh, kind of rip off of Halloween two, and have Jason track her down in like a mental in a mental institution or something. But she didn't want to reprise the role, so they dropped it and, and went back to the woods, thankfully. And that was that. And so, okay, so this is the fifth screening you're doing up at the Strand Theater in, in Seymour. What's been the most popular? Which one sold the most tickets? Far and away, Stephen King Night. Stephen Why th- King Night was... Yeah, what'd you show? What'd you show that night? That was uh, Creep Show and... Um, and why am I blanking? Christine, I'm sorry. Creepshow and Christine. That's like some other uh, early 80s classics. Creepshow came out the same year as The Thing, Poltergeist, and uh, Friday the 13th Part 3. So that was a pretty uh, uh, killer year for the horror yep. genre. Yep. And Christine, I've always considered to be an underrated John Carpenter. Uh, I mean, it's you know, you watch Christine, and there's John Carpenter's thumbprints and fingerprints all over that film, from the from the eerie music to just the direction. I've I've always liked, even though it's kind of a silly concept. Uh, I've always actually really liked that movie, uh, and so did other people. Like I said, Stephen King night was was huge. You could barely move in that theater that night. We had a lot of people there that night. And so, uh, 
who goes to these screenings? Are they are they primarily people from uh, the immediate area? Or are they from all over? And uh, and how many people? I mean, if you sell out, how many people is that? Well, the strand fits about two fifty comfortably. Uh, well, I wouldn't say comfortably. Two fifty elbow to elbow. Um, it's actually a little bit more than that, but I wouldn't sell any more than two fifty into the place. Um, and the majority are from Connecticut. Um, everywhere from Stamford to Hartford. Uh, but I also have had, for the past three screenings, a couple people from Jersey, a couple people from New York, uh, a couple people from Pennsylvania come in. Uh, the, the people from Jersey, this will be their fourth one. They come, they get a hotel room, and, and they just they, they really love it. Um, they, they told me that their favorite part is the trailers that I show before each movie. That, that's what they love. Oh no, kidding! So those are all—I mean, assume they're—they're they're, uh, genre-related horror trailers as well. Not all horror. Um, I kind of try to find some of the craziest stuff. That uh, the thing with the trailers is, I—I I don't show any trailer for a movie that I've never seen. So I search back into my catalog and find stuff like Duke Mitchell's Gone with the Pope, um, Bad Taste, uh, Lady Terminator, uh, Ricky O. So there's there's some some martial arts stuff in there, the octagon. Um, yeah, ah. I, I try to mix in everything. I think I got, I got DC Cab. I got the trailer for DC Cab going this time. <laughs> DC Cab <laughs> is making the it's making the rounds on cable. I was watching it the other day uh, with Mr. T. That's like an all star cast in that movie. You forget how many people really were in that movie. Yeah. It's amazing. Not not, not yeah. particularly a great no, movie, yeah. but no, no. But you had a young Bill Maher, uh, Gary Busey. <laughs> it's a uh, Kind of, kind of kooky movie, but I've I've always liked it, and I was able to to get a trailer for this time, so I'm kind of psyched about it. And then I saw on your uh, event page on Facebook, uh, there was talk about uh, I don't know if it's still available. You're, you're uh, giving away posters or selling posters along with uh, the screening coming up uh, January 13th. Yep. yep. Um, at at one of these uh, these screenings I've done. Uh, uh, kid by the name of Matt Wilson came up to me and said, you know, I'd really love to to help out. I'm, I'm an artist. I'd love to, to do some stuff because I've always, at all of them, I do some giveaway. I do a lot of raffles. Um, I'll buy some stuff and raffle off autographed items and stuff like that. And the raffles don't cost anything. Just anybody who pre-orders a ticket is automatically entered in the raffle. Um, and then I always do giveaways, stickers or magnets or buttons or something like that. And and this kid, Matt, was like, hey, I'd, I'd really like to, you know, to, to help out and do that. I've got all this stuff at home as far as art equipment. So for 80s anniversary, he came through with uh, a whole grab bag of, of buttons and, and stuff, and he made some 11 by 17 posters that were pretty, uh, pretty awesome that we gave away. Uh, this time around, he made a custom uh, 11 by 17 poster for the Friday the 13th double feature that we're actually selling for only $3.00. Uh, along with the tickets, um, I'm sure we'll raffle some of those uh, away as well. Um, he's got uh, he's making little grab bags for this one too, um, and and I've already got a bunch of the uh, the raffle prizes. I've got an 11 by 17 part two poster autograph by Steve Dash to raffle off. Got some good stuff. That's pretty cool. And if people want to if people want to learn more about the event coming up, it's at facebook.com Connecticut Cult Classics or you can go to connecticutcultclassics.com. And again, it's Friday, January 13th uh, from 7 p.m. until about midnight. You can watch Friday yep. the 13th part 2 and part 3. And what is it? 10 bucks for the whole thing? 10 bucks for the whole thing. Um, you know, and and the good thing 
the guys at the Strand, uh, they keep concession prices down, so you don't have to pay 12 bucks for a popcorn either. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty cheap night for two movies, all the trailers to show, the raffles. It's a, it's a pretty cheap night. And anybody are looking to get there early, if you're not familiar with Seymour and you're hearing this, uh, the Strand Theater is at 165 Main Street in Seymour. It's right off Route 8. There's a, there's a bar right next door. There's a, a good Italian restaurant within walking distance. You get some decent options up there. It's a nice little downtown. So, All right, Larry, what do you have coming up after this one? What are some, uh, what's a glimpse into the future screenings uh, of Connecticut Cult Classics? Sure. Uh, our next event after this is going to be on March 18th, which is back to Saturdays. I generally do these on Saturdays, but I couldn't skip uh, the opportunity to do a Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th. Um, so the next one's going to be Saturday, March 18th. Um, I don't generally give away much information uh, leading up to the event, but I will tell you that we discussed one of the films just today. You and I, on the, in the past 10 minutes, have discussed one of the films that I'll be showing on March 18th, and that's as much as I'm going to say about it. The Thing? I can't tell you, but uh, we definitely discussed one of the films. Will Corey Feldman be appearing? <laughs> if he does, he's going to be singing with his angels. I'd like it. I'd pay to see that. <laughs> I'd pay 20 bucks. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I think, actually, and uh, part of this double feature is going to be the first non-horror uh, movie I've shown at one of my double features. Oh, so, uh, that's fascinating. Uh, wow. Yeah. But all right, so you've mentioned yeah. the the octagon. You're a Chuck Norris guy. I'm I'm wondering uh, what type of can you at least give the genre of the non horror film? Is it uh, karate, uh, kung fu? No, it's not. I, I would say it's uh, comedy slash sci fi. Comedy. Oh, now see, now we all have to guess. All right, this will be. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna hang Good up luck. on you, and I'll spend the rest of this podcast trying to figure that out. You got it, bud. All right, Larry. Thank you so much. Uh, for taking a few minutes to talk to us about Connecticut Cult Classics, and good luck on January 13th. Thanks, Eugene. I appreciate it, man. Have a great one. Weekends are a good time to escape to the woods. Unless the weekend begins with Friday the 13th. Because 13 is an unlucky number. But out here, so are one through twelve. Because these are Jason's woods. And nobody leaves them alive. Friday the 13th, part three. Okay, so that was Larry Dwyer of Connecticut Cult Classics. Larry is a Derby resident like myself and I... I didn't. Up. I didn't know that it took three. Wait, let me let me introduce you for God's oh. sakes. Oh, I, right, I already, yeah, I already yeah, put yeah. in we a beginning gotta, of this. Right. Now it's over. I have much more energy. I recorded the first part of this podcast just alone in a room. That's why I'm so subdued. It's a weird thing to do. But that's uh, Ethan Fry. That was Valley. not the the voice of Donald Trump you just heard. It's just oh, me. Valleyindy.org, the other reporter. But I was going to say here. I didn't know uh, Jason didn't get his mask until. The third movie. I've obviously. You see, I mean, people wonder why ValleyIndy.org is here. The reason we get grant money is to. That's why. That's our mission to correct the record or to inform the public. Yes, mm. Friday the Thirteenth. Jason didn't get his hockey mask into the until the third movie, 
which gives you an idea of they really had no they, they didn't know what they were doing with those movies. So. Is that the one with Crystal Lake? Is that or those is, are the Friday Thirteenth okay, movies? Yes, right. those are all of I them. I have like on the, on the original NES way back in the day. At some the point, who? I got what uh, is that Nintendo? Oh, okay. Nintendo Entertainment System. I uh, somebody gave me like a Friday the Thirteenth game, and I just I remember like I like I didn't know what the, the point of it was. It was it was just seemed bizarre. Like I think they that, just like slapped Friday the Thirteenth onto a uh, game. And I like, believe hey. I could be totally wrong here, but why fact check? Why do why why start at this point? That that's a famous game because it was basically impossible to do anything. Yeah, you, you would just yeah. walk three feet. Just, Jason would come out and kill I didn't you. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's regarded like as one of the most frustrating games uh, of all time. Sounds accurate. Yeah. So anyway, you know, right before we, I went live with uh, Mr. Dwyer of Connecticut Cult Classics. I had put, uh, I, I had emailed some friends, messaged some friends of mine who uh, one guy's a screenwriter, the other guy does movie effects, gore mm-hmm. movie effects, for questions. What should I ask about? part two and part three of the Friday the 13th franchise. Neither of those guys got back to me, but I do another blog, like a blog I do for giggles on the side called the mobile horror companion. And on that Facebook page, somebody actually asked a question that I should have asked uh, Larry, but uh, any, I'm just going to read it. It's a pretty good question. Uh, I'm paraphrasing parts. Friday the 13th part three was released in 3d. Were most of the effects intentionally created to capitalize on, on that? Because it doesn't seem like they were. Hmm. Yeah, if you've ever tried to go back and watch uh, Jaws 3, the 3D one that takes place in like a Disney or, or SeaWorld type place, it's laughable oh. how bad the uh, 3D graphics were. Then he says, Bruce Sackhoff, one of my film school teachers, created the story for part four. Wow. Uh, and I'd argue that part four is the best in the franchise, hmm. if for Crispin Glover alone. Oh yeah, I, I also googled that or searched for that dance scene on YouTube. It's, very, and it's like Elaine from Seinfeld, uh, bad. Like, yeah, yeah it's, that, that what that is. It's great. It's a great movie. He claims this is uh, Matt's film school teacher that his initial initial idea was to create a story that was an attack on the Reagan era family values, and that his initial draft was about a family that moved to the lake, sans teens having sex. Sakos said the producers put in teens having sex in the house next door to the family behind his back. <laughs> How much of that script of, to part four was rewritten on the set? I think they, they brought in a punch-up guy. And then my, my they favorite... David Mamet to... My favorite part of this comment uh, slash question is the last line. I realize this has nothing to do with parts two or three. I just want to know. But I'm sorry, Matt. That is a great question, and thanks for sharing. But I actually well, have no idea. Uh, You've always said I've never watched this movie, but like that that big zombie movie from like the '60s wasn't that just like a, a commentary on consumerism? Because like they all go to the mall for well, like see, now, refuge or whatever. You're gonna have to start listening to my other podcast I do on the weekends because we debate this. Uh, yeah, there uh, George Romero's Dawn of the Dead as it's considered now. Whether Romero had it in mind when he made it, mm-hmm. but it's. I mean, that's the thing about movies, you know what I mean? Even horror movies, even zombie movies, it's art and it's open to interpretation. And the interpretation of Dawn of the Dead is that it is a total comment uh, parody of our consumer culture. Yeah, it takes place in a mall and, you know, the characters in the movie as the zombie apocalypse is taking place outside, they still sort of cling to these material things, uh, you know, if you read into the movie. And, and the Night of the Living Dead had an African-American protagonist 
which was right, and they know. never mention they never make a big deal of it in any way, and it's thought to be uh, all commentary that was made in about '67 yeah. about you know civil rights movement. Uh, Romero has said, and in fact, Larry Dwyer, who we, was just our guest on this podcast, interviewed George Romero, the uh, creator of uh, of the zombie genre, essentially the modern zombie genre, in Danbury back in August at the CT Horror Fest. It was a horror convention that happens now in, in Connecticut. And Romero is asked that question all the time. And basically he says, well, it wasn't conscious on, on our part. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on, on my other podcast uh, we, we, I do with the screenwriter, the screenwriter is always sort of uh, slapping me around saying that uh, he, he doesn't think like when, when you write a movie, all that stuff that people just stick that onto it, that the writer doesn't think of that when they're doing it and basically mm. uh, chides me for being a bad uh, eighth grade English teacher, essentially looking into meaning uh, where there is not. But what does he know? He's not on this podcast. Uh, yeah. and, and who knows what the creator does, you know, inserts these things subconsciously, you know, without without knowing that, that you know, that's what the commentary is. That you could make that argument. And, and for me, I mean, you know, yeah, we just talked, I mean, Friday the 13th, part two and part three you know they're basically they're toilet movies you know they're not they're obviously not high art but i love you know you go back and you look at that whole bizarre slasher genre that happened it was a real like movement in american film all these horror movies that were happening Mm. definitely a reflection of the culture that's i love to look back at these things and try to figure out what was going on in the in in the Mm. country or what was it reflecting uh, I just I think that stuff's uh, fascinating, but other people, you know, think that's just total BS. There's a that's the uh, yin and yang, pull and pull, push and pull mm. of, of whatever. But anyway, so horror movies. We had talked. Oh, it was a it was a Kurt Miller Seymour First Selectman Kurt Miller podcast, which we we just we ramble. We really have nothing uh, uh, prepared when, when when Kurt comes in. Although last one we we we, call, we actually there were legitimate news items on the local level that I failed to ask because we got talking about mm. I think horror movies in that one too, uh, and he had said his favorite horror movie was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, <laughs> right, State, which yeah. is that's. But what was your you you I, you couldn't think of one I think I what, what's your I well I wasn't sure whether The Shining would qualify but I guess that of course it does that's probably it because I I remember uh, watching that in. Uh, I had never seen it before. I saw it in college. I was an RA in college. So I was like in the dorm over winter break. And it was really weird to be watching that movie in a completely empty college dorm during the winter as like, you know, because it it parallels the, uh, the, uh, you know, there was no, you know, torrents of blood coming out of any elevators or I didn't hallucinate, you know, little girls screaming red rum. Or was that, was it Danny? No, that's that's well. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, uh, that's Danny who. Let's does not it. give away too much if you haven't seen The Shining. But, but, but didn't you watch the documentary, the Kubrick documentary on Netflix about the room number or whatever? Room two thirty seven. I so saw you, that. You uh, watched? Oh, but you had seen The Shining. I, I, yeah, I had seen it. Yeah, yeah. I know people who haven't who have like watched it in reverse. That's interesting. But but yeah, that's that's and like that that sort of dovetails into the uh, the argument you were just mentioning about. Um, you know how much of this was was Kubrick's intention, or how much you know we, we'll never know. The guy's dead, obviously. Um, but like you know, people read into like 
you know, oh, this the can of coffee behind the guy in the first scene as he's talking in like yeah. the in the room in the hotel. Like I had Kubrick a- in, 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 intended that to mean X, Y, and Z about the American Indian being, you know, et cetera, genocide and everything. That's like, did he really, or was it just like a cool coffee can to put there? Yeah, I had to turn that documentary off actually because I just thought it was it was so <laughs> insane. Because uh, like, like yeah, it was like I, reading I, Breitbart. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought it was, I you know, I, it was it was interesting speculation, but you know, I, it's it that's what it is at the end of the day. It's it's still speculation. You know, closing out this podcast because uh, why not have a local podcast, local news podcast, talk about movies? Because that's no one will listen. Oh this, you have this to. Will be. But uh, as as of this recording, we're, we're recording this before Christmas. Actually, we're trying to get ahead on some of these podcasts because uh, they're labor intensive to do. And we're, you know, we're reporters as well. We write the stories, edit the stories, take pictures with the stories, in addition to recording and editing, setting up interviews for these podcasts every week. But Kurt Douglas, Kirk Douglas, sorry, uh, just turned 100. Mm. And I saw something on a Variety on Twitter. They had Douglas talking about Stanley Kubrick and basically that he was a bastard. Yeah, like, yeah. They, they hated like, each but, other. But creative. Like, you know, he gave him that. But I love that uh, Kirk Douglas to this day, because they asked about Eyes Wide Shut and he's just like, it was terrible. You yeah, know? I like, remember, I, just, um, I think somebody, like I, I like somebody who I would know was reading a biography of Kirk Douglas uh, a few years ago and they said, like when they were making Spartacus, I think that had been written by one somebody on the blacklist, and Kubrick was involved. I don't know if Kubrick directed actually directed the movie or not, but it was written by I don't want, I don't know if it was Dalton Trumbo or somebody or Carl Foreman, somebody like that, on the blacklist at the time, and uh, like they didn't know whether they were going to actually credit this person or not, and like I guess Kubrick was just willing to take credit for having written the movie, even though he had nothing to like he did not write the movie. He was just like yeah, just put my name on it. And, uh, yeah, I didn't know he was involved in, in, in Spartacus, to be honest with you. But uh, what you, uh, Paths of Glory, which is just yeah, a I haven't watched great, that. Yet. Oh, I gotta, I gotta, that's a great. I've movie. started watching it like a couple weeks ago, but I, I, I've got to finish it. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so that's our. So we touched upon Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, Part Three. We talked about the thing. Uh, we mentioned there's a Chuck Norris octagon. This is listen. For what you people are paying for this podcast, this is the best darn thing going, I think. Uh, so anyway, okay. what are you, the, are you from, looking from something the, up? Uh, from the Spartacus Wikipedia page, screenwriter Dalton Trumbo was blacklisted at the time as one of the Hollywood Ten. Uh, Douglas publicly announced that Trumbo was the screenwriter of Spartacus and President-elect John F. Kennedy crossed American Legion picket lines to view the film, helping to end blacklisting. Yeah, that's fascinating. Wow, what a weird... T- it's probably all coming back, though. But, like, yeah, Kubrick did direct Trump's it. in power. Apparently. We'll have a blacklist in no time. <laughs> all right, and on that note, Which while we're still Kirk able Douglas to... Kirk Douglas published, like, an op-ed calling in, you know, against an anti-Trump op-ed. A, 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 I just saw this on a link to it on Twitter. So. Oh, no kidding. So while we're still legally able Happy to do this... Happy 100th, Mr. Douglas. ...to do this podcast, uh, my name is Eugene Driscoll, and that was Ethan Fry, and we're at valleyindie.org, and we will... Talk to you next time.